Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I know you've missed me. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and this is a podcast series dedicated to demystifying women's hormonal issues and struggles and everything that dances in between. I'd like to start off by sharing with all my lovely listeners and anyone that's new to this podcast. Hi, so glad you can join me. Pull up a chair. Um, I've been away for the past few months. And yes, indeed, ladies, I've been missing an action from the hormone lifestyle zone and social media. But I've got a good excuse. I've been up to life stuff, big stuff, big shift, big move, literally. I moved to Atlanta just recently this summer. And I had been living in Charleston, as many of you know, many of my clients from Charleston, for the past seven years. And I moved down to Charleston from New York City. I just, I had to get away from that frenetic energy. It was just too much. But I realized after a few years in Charleston, I was really missing urban life. And I had to find the right urban vibe. Actually, I was up in D.C., also treating clients while I was down in Charleston for a couple of years, but that still wasn't the right fit. Love DC. But I miss the urban energy. I guess it's in my genetic coding. Being in a city of diversity makes me feel alive, and that's what I love about Atlanta. So I'm starting to court the city and allowing life to unfold, And that's why, ladies, I have been off the radar for a bit. So I have been assisting women as an integrative health practitioner for over 25 years. I can't believe it. It's amazing how time flies. Also, part of that journey has included being an acupuncturist. And I decided to, right now, put acupuncture on hold, maybe offer that service again in the future. But at the moment, I like being a bit of a free spirit and just continuing my focus on functional nutrition, women's hormones, and gut health. So whether it is a telehealth session or information I could just share with you right now, right here on the Hormone Lifestyle Zone, I want to help you have a better take on your hormones. I say this to all my clients. Your reproductive hormones, your sex hormones, your menstrual cycle, and your fertility. And what it actually means to have a hormone imbalance. I hear that so many times. People will call me and they'll say, my hormones are out of whack. I have a hormone imbalance. But what does that really mean? What does it mean to have a healthy cycle? What does it mean when your cycles are irregular? Your cycles are 35 days, and maybe the next one comes 50 days, and maybe you get one 20 days later. Maybe this year you've had three cycles. Maybe you've only had three cycles in the past two years. What is your body telling you? And what is your gynecologist telling you? Throwing an oral contraceptive at a woman's hormonal symptoms that include irregular cycles will never ever, ever address the root cause and causes of why she's having this issue or why you or a sibling or friend or partner or niece or coworker is experiencing wacky PMS symptoms, heavy bleeding, 
irregular cycles, acne. Maybe you're starting to notice some facial hair, some hairs on your chin. Or maybe you know someone, and I know you do, having difficulty getting pregnant. And maybe the backstory for that friend or that someone you know includes 15 or so years on birth control because it all started with her never having a regular cycle at the onset of her menses. And here she is in present time. She's been off birth control maybe a year and a half, two years, still not ovulating. And now she's on her third round of Clomid trying to get pregnant. This is the story of a real client. Now, I want to correct that last statement. That's not true. This is the story of many, many women I have worked with over the years. And this brings us today, and I'm so glad you're with me, to today's podcast, PCOS, a modern day epidemic. This is part one of a two-part series on PCOS. Actually, during the break from the Hormone Lifestyle Zone and Instagram, and I have my issues with Instagram. I don't, I'm having a hard time doing Instagram. It's really hard to watch. Uh, how do I say this? Dancing music in the background and people pointing to these little tags of, oh, do you have menstrual cramps? Do you have irregular periods? And then they're just shaking their booty. I, that, I can't. I can't. I'm having a hard time with it. So that's why I will do my very best to just be about as authentic as possible and present my videos on women's health and hormones. I just had to throw that in there. So again, I took a break from the Hormone Lifestyle Zone and social media because I was creating new content for my website. I didn't have the time to dance on Instagram. And part of the new content is a section on PCOS and gut health and gut rehab. Your hormones are a reflection of your gut health. Your gut health influences your hormones. And this has a lot to do with the PCOS dance. So today, I'd like to share with all of you what I've been seeing in the realm of PCOS in my clinical practice of telehealth over the past 18 months, actually since the beginning of COVID last March. At present, three out of five women I work with have PCOS or somewhere on the spectrum. In the past, I've done two episodes on PCOS. I've interviewed two clients, but I wanted to revisit it because it's just staggering how I am and other practitioners are seeing more and more PCOS. PCOS is the leading cause of menstrual irregularities and infertility. And it is, uh, PCOS is this very complex endocrine and metabolic disorder. PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, is a fiery syndrome. Why do I say fire? Because it involves inflammation. Inflammation is the precursor to so many autoimmune issues. And PCOS is not an autoimmune issue, but I, it kind of falls in that funky category. So I'll continue. PCOS is a fiery syndrome of hormone dysregulation. 
dancing with insulin resistance and elevated androgens. And I'm going to break that down during today's podcast. But inflammation drives PCOS. So what are the fiery accelerants of inflammation? Dysbiosis, that is an imbalance of good and bad bacteria in the gut. A leaky gut, that's when bacteria and undigested food and funky things and proteins are entering the bloodstream. That should just not be there. Creating an inflammatory response, disrupting hormones, disrupting contributing to insulin resistance. And I'll go into that a bit. Also, another contributing factor, stress, elevated cortisol levels, and the standard American diet. Oral contraceptives are not the solution. They're just masking these underlying symptoms. And we're going to go through what these symptoms, what they really, really mean. PCOS, again, is this complex endocrine and metabolic disorder. And that's affecting, you may see on the CDC and you'll look on Google and it'll say between 5 and 10 to 12% of women have PCOS. That number is highly inaccurate. It's probably between 20 and 30% of women. So here's something very interesting. There are 75, I'm going to say close to, 75 million women of reproductive age in the United States. That's between the ages of 15 and 44, 45. So in my world, conservatively speaking, if 20% of women are experiencing PCOS, we're talking about 15 million women, not 5 million women, which I see on Google. I don't even know where they come up with that number. So it's 15 million plus and it's on the rise. And that is why it's an epidemic. It is a PCOS is a diagnosis that falls through the cracks for countless women because there are limited guidelines. PCOS is misunderstood. It's undertreated. It's misdiagnosed. And 50 to 75% of women with PCOS are undiagnosed. Those are the women that reach out to me around the country. And they're like, I know something's wrong. I know I have PCOS and my doc keeps telling me I don't, but it doesn't feel right. And these are the ladies that I see more and more of in my virtual office. Many of these clients start having irregular cycles at the onset of their menses and are routinely prescribed an oral contraceptive to quote-unquote regulate their menstrual cycle. Okay, how can you regulate a menstrual cycle on birth control if you're not ovulating? Because when you're on birth control, it keeps you from ovulation. What a woman experiences each month on the pill is called a withdrawal bleed that is induced by the pill, a chemicals mimicking estrogen and progesterone. So you have this chemically induced withdrawal bleed with no ovulation. So what happens, it just amplifies the problem. It makes no sense. So a few years down the road, these young women you know, they've gone on, they went on birth control, the age of 16, 17, 18, some of them early years of college. I've had kids on birth control, young women starting at the age of 15. 
And so what happens if they're put on birth control at the age of 15, then what I see a few years down the road is they're on antibiotics for acne or they're put on spironolactone, which is a diuretic to combat the acne. And I, I want to say something that I think is really important. Anytime I'm dealing with a woman that has cystic acne or she's really struggling with it, I will address the underlying issues that are contributing to the acne and then I'll wean them off the spironolactone. And then they will actually have beautiful skin. So I totally understand, ladies. You know, sometimes we just have to do what we need to do. But keeping a woman on antibiotics just completely wipes out her microbiome, which just causes havoc on a woman's hormones and leaky gut. And I'll go into that in a minute. I'm going off on a tangent. But sometimes I just can't help myself. So you're put on the pill when you're a young kid. Then you're given antibiotics or spironolactone to address the acne. And then a little bit down the road, and this is so common, women will experience anxiety or depression, and then they're put on medication to address that. And it all started with the fact that they were not ovulating at the age of 15. And here they are four or five years later on all these drugs. Yes, this is a problem. PCOS is much more than the confirmation or not of ovarian cysts. The syndrome has a myriad of symptoms along a hormonal continuum. And every PCOS client I work with is unique to their needs and concerns, especially their treatment resolution. It is not a cookie cutter recipe when working with a woman that has polycystic ovarian syndrome. And we need to come up with different terminology for that because a lot of women don't have ovarian cysts. And again, it really does involve insulin resistance and elevated androgens. And hopefully we'll come up with a spiffy new term for polycystic ovarian syndrome soon. As I said, conventional treatment for polycystic ovarian syndrome doesn't address root cause or root causes. There's always a variety of reasons why women's hormones are out of balance. It's not just one thing. And again, birth control has a tendency to mask or amplify the issue. What I commonly see are the following PCOS symptoms in my clinical practice. Irregular and erratic cycles and ovulatory cycles. People are not ovulating. Missed periods heavy menstrual bleeding, weight gain, or just, you know, weight gain or just, you know, struggling with weight loss, obesity, acne, maybe on the face, the back, the chest, excessive hair on the chin, the jawline, maybe some on the breast or the belly, thinning of hair, infertility, unexplained infertility, recurrent miscarriage, estrogen dominance. That's when you have symptoms of excess estrogen, such as PMS, tender breasts, cystic breasts, anxiety. Why is that? You're not ovulating. If you're not ovulating, you will have these high levels of estrogen in your system that are never met with progesterone that balances estrogen. And progesterone is very calming and very soothing. And that is why it's very important to figure out how to, in this process, how do we make sure that women are detoxing estrogens efficiently? while they're going through the process of regulating their cycle. 
it's always important for all women to be detoxing their estrogen. PCOS affects one in three women with an elevated BMI of 30 or above, while affecting one in 20 women in a normal BMI range of PCOS. So for me, you know, a lot of times women come in and they'll say, oh, I want to lose 30 pounds. And I'm like, it's not just the weight. I want to get your BMI in a healthy range. I want to get women's BMI. I want to draw it down to 25%. That's healthy. And if you're teetering around 18, I want to bring up your body fat a little to the low 20s. It's important. You know, I'm about women being healthy. I want to honor women's health. And that is making sure that a woman has a healthy degree or healthy percentage of body fat. When a woman's body fat exceeds 30%, she is in a state of inflammation, putting her at risk for type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, which is part of the PCOS picture, cardiovascular issues, hypertension. I want to keep you healthy. That's my goal. That's my agenda. Let's take a deeper dive into these fiery accelerants of inflammation. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a thread between insulin resistance, how that relates to elevated androgens, how this relates to dysbiosis and the leaky gut, and how that relates to your diet and stress, the elevated cortisol, because there's this incredible thread through all of it. Let's look at insulin resistance. This is when the body's tissue becomes numb to incoming insulin from the bloodstream and the inability to usher glucose into your cells efficiently. And this can drive high blood sugar or potentiate high blood sugar. It is a precursor to type 2 diabetes and Insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is part of the PCOS picture. As many as 50 to 80% of women with PCOS have insulin resistance. And since insulin is a fat storage hormone, it can be challenging. This is the reason why it's challenging for women with PCOS to lose weight. So it's not about starving yourselves, ladies. That's like the worst thing you can do. That's why when I work with women with PCOS, I put them on a diet that is nutrient-dense, that stabilizes your blood sugar and your insulin levels. And again, PCOS is non-discriminatory. Women of normal weight can have insulin resistance just as well. So let's talk about elevated androgens. Insulin drives the ovaries to produce excess androgens, specifically testosterone. And this can interfere with a woman's ability to ovulate. Women may also experience symptoms of acne. Elevated testosterone and acne and oily skin go hand in hand. Facial hair, hirsutism, or thinning hair on the head and excessive bleeding. These are signs of the elevated androgens. Dysbiosis. Dysbiosis is an imbalance of, in the microbiota, of beneficial bacteria combined with an overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria that sets the stage for inflammation. So optimizing gut health is essential to keeping a woman's hormones 
in balance. Dysbiosis is a catalyst for insulin resistance, a mechanism underlying PCOS. If you have an imbalance of bad bacteria in your gut, that's part of that insulin resistance train, which then triggers the body, which drives the ovaries to produce excess androgens that keeps you from ovulating. Does this make sense? I like to create the thread because I think it's important for people to see how all these moving pieces work synergistically together. So when you have dysbiosis, there's a good chance you're going to have a leaky gut. What is a leaky gut? What's leaky gut syndrome? It is, you have these tight junctions between the cells that line the small intestine. Your small intestine is like 22 feet long. This is a wonderful area in the body, in the bowels, where you absorb your nutrients, 22 feet. That's like the size of a tennis court. So what happens when these tight junctions become loose in the small intestine lining and become permeable, kind of like a cheesecloth, allowing undigested food particles and bacteria and proteins and toxins to pass from the GI tract into the bloodstream. This is so not good, people. And what does this do? This contributes to inflammation, an inflammatory state, contributing to this whole PCOS picture. And again, leaky gut is a significant mechanism underlying PCOS. So at this point, I'm going to hit a pause button. Women must have their guts addressed with PCOS. And in my world, 95 to 99% of the women that I see with polycystic ovarian syndrome have dysbiosis and to some degree leaky gut syndrome. This is a huge, huge part of PCOS. You can give people chromium picolinate, and I'm going to go to, into supplementation and things you can do in part two. I thought I'd tell you that now. And, and we're even going to talk about birth control that you can use that is non-hormonal, and I'll talk about that on part two. It is 99% of women with PCOS have gut issues. And why am I seeing all these gut issues? Well, I look at the back history in these women, and the back history, I ask, were you bottle-fed? Were you nursed? Were you a C-section? Because if you're bottle-fed, then you're not getting those beautiful immune globulins that impact or start to influence your microbiome. And if you're a C-section, you're not getting that beautiful christening of going through the vaginal canal that starts to stimulate your microbiome because, you know, getting that mucus into the mouth, into the ears, into the orifices, start to stimulate the microbiome, your gut, your immune system. So if you don't have that, your microbiome, which is 70 to 80% of your immune system, you're compromised. And then what I see is that people that have not been, that have been bottle fed or they, and C-section. And I see with others too, so that's just part of the picture. But if I also see a history of antibiotics compromising the gut, and then I, what I see with a history of antibiotics, then I start seeing gas and bloat, and digestive issues. So I look at that thread, and where are a lot of the antibiotics coming from? Maybe when you were a kid, you, were, you had a lot of ear infections, respiratory issues, 
or what I see a lot of, and I will do a segment on this, is a lot of UTIs, vaginosis. That's a lot of antibiotics disrupting your microbiome and your gut. And this is part of the picture for many, many women that I treat with PCOS. And then adding just, this is a cherry on the cake, a cherry on the ice cream sundae, the standard American diet, the standard American diet, the foundation, and also the standard American diet, SAD, yep, it is very sad. Foundation for your hormones starts with what sits at the end of your fork. And SAD, the standard American diet, is laden with excess sugar, refined carbs, industrial seed oils, low in fiber, void of nutrients that help promote ovulation, enhance, and that also help to enhance insulin sensitivity and reduce androgens and support a healthy BMI. I, the standard American diet, it just fuels pharmaceutical companies to give you more drugs. We need to change the way we eat. And most women, and I love you madly, I really, really do. And I'm not trying to be condescending here. This is one of the reasons I look at women's food journals, because most women do not know how to eat. They know what's good, but it's the right combination and the amount of, of vegetables and protein and healthy fats that really make a difference in supporting a woman's hormones. So that whether you work with me or someone like myself, you must address the diet and the way you eat. That is such an important part of the picture. It really is. It's like, you know, if you want to work out and you want to get really fit, sometimes going to a personal trainer can really make a difference than looking at an app. Or if you really want to excel at yoga, sometimes being in a studio is better than doing an app. And an app is a good thing too. But the point I'm trying to make, if you really want to hone in and fine tune, finding a practitioner to work with makes a world of difference and you will see the results. And it just, it warms my heart when I get to work with women that have PCOS and they have so many gut issues and constipation is part of that picture too, that when you start addressing all of this, it makes a huge, huge difference. So let's talk about stress, elevated cortisol. Oh, where do we start? We live in a perpetual fight-or-flight response. We live in the world of low-grade chronic stress, elevated cortisol. And a lot of times, you just don't know that you're stressed and your cortisol is elevated because it's become the norm for you. It's not normal. And elevated cortisol is a powerful endocrine disruptor. It's a fight-or-flight hormone. And that cortisol can lead to insulin resistance. You're making, every time you go into a fight or flight, you're making demands on insulin because you need to get glucose into your cells. Your body can't differentiate between you being charged by a tiger in the jungle or you having a really shitty boss that places so many demands on you. You should have, call me. I'll come over and I'll, I'll talk to your boss. Get him in shape. But this is what I hear in my office, demanding jobs. 
You're eating on the go, girls. Not a good thing. You're skipping meals. You've got to stop doing that. It's important to eat. You have to put gas in the tank. You can't start your day at 6 in the morning and have your first meal at 2.30 in the afternoon. Intermittent fasting right now is not part of the picture for you. That's another story. But the point I'm trying to make, I want you to have a healthy, balanced diet. These are stressors. This is what I'm trying to stress to you. And also excessive exercising. That's a major stressor on people. I've seen people at Orange Theory. I loved Orange Theory. It was fun when I used to go working out like crazy warriors and excessively like six days a week. They weren't losing weight and they were actually losing, they were losing muscle. It's too much of a stressor. And I can tell when I look at people, if they have that puffy look, there's cortisol. It's the cortisol puff. That's what I call it. So learning how to work out that your life is in balance. Do some yoga nidra. Do some yin restorative yoga. Go for some long walks. Do power walks. There are so many ways you can train where you don't have to kill yourself and still be incredibly fit and lower your cortisol. Let's see, what else can I share with you in this moment about the craziness of stress? And here's another thing about stress. If you're eating at your desk or your computer, because we're all working at home still, eating at your computer, trying to get a report done, and then calling into that nasty boss of yours while you're trying to have a really nice lunch, your stomach goes into a knot. It's like trying to wash your clothes in the dryer. It's not going to happen. This is going to contribute to digestive issues and GERD and acid reflux. And we don't need that. So it's about finding the balance. And guess what? All these things are driving forces behind hormonal imbalances. And that include hot flashes and PMS, not just PCOS. So everything I'm suggesting here, everything I'm talking about with insulin resistance and looking at the gut and looking at the way you eat and how you manage stress and how you exercise and how you're mindfully taking care of you makes an incredible difference with your hormones. I love teaching women how to be the best moms they can be to themselves. Self-love, self-care is the first step in healing. I always say that your kitchen is your apothecary, but you got to love you first. You got to love you first. How do you start loving you first? Hitting the pause button and saying, what do I need to balance my hormones? I don't know if I can do this on my own but I know I'm going to find the right way to balance my hormones. And I don't want to do birth control because it's not resolving the issue. I want to do it in a way that honors me. That's what I do when I work with women. I honor their journey. I love working with women and having them get to the point where they can rock and roll on their own. They know how to eat. I love teaching women how to eat. It's so much fun. And then they start inspiring other women. They start, you start creating that ripple effect in the world to help other women be good moms to themselves. Because the big issue I hear from so many women, I have no time to cook, to eat, and I have to cut back on my sleep because 
I don't have enough time for me. And what I say to each and every one of you, I hear you. I really hear you. But we have to reprioritize what our priorities are. And self-care is the first step in being able to manage your life differently. And that also includes, I have to bring this up, sleep. You cannot cheat sleep. If you want to lower cortisol levels, if you want to help to support resetting your adrenals and your immune system and your hormones, you've got to aim for eight hours of sleep. And in my world and the women that I work with, they hit the ground running just like I do. But start aiming for eight to nine hours. Get into bed with a great book. Do not take your iPhone to bed or your iPad with you. Bring a book. Bring your honey bunny. Have a nice conversation in bed and then turn off the light and do whatever you want to do, but also include sleep in there. Eight to nine hours. It will make a difference. So my beautiful ladies, my sweet love bugs, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this provided some good insight. Please check out my new website, a section on PCOS, on gut health and gut rehab. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe, iTunes or Spotify. And if you like what you're hearing, give me a thumbs up. And if you also like what you're hearing and you want to work with me, go to my website, reach out, love to work with you, love working with women with PCOS. So I bid you adieu. I will see you in a few weeks for part two. We're going to go into supplementation. I'll talk about diet and we'll talk about the gut and how that cleaning up the gut and what you can do to start regulating your hormones. So until I see you in a few weeks, my sweet love bugs, if you don't see me on the belt line on my bike, and if you do see me on my bike, say hi, you take good care. And until then, send you hugs and kisses and have a fabulous, fabulous day. Be well.